You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back to St. Thomas and Tioga. I'm Father Corey Nelson. Lori Leffer, we are your host today. Yes. And we wanted to mention, um, we had to uh, let Brother David go a few minutes early there for Mass, but uh, we didn't get to talk about how the some of their farming father that they do mm-hmm. is they grow grain, to, yeah. and they have their own brewery. Wow. Yeah, I'd like to visit that place. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's very beautiful out there, yeah. and um, it's by the mountain, by, by Mount angel mm-hmm. and um just serene they do have a guest house like i think they can hold like 30 people wow. or so in their it, yeah it's so beautiful you could have a retreat out there yep yep so. i know people from north dakota that have gone on a little caravan retreat mm. and gone out there beautiful yeah a few times but now we have somebody else yes and you have people out there you have had um heard this person before on Real Presence Radio. It is Father Tim Castor. Hello. Welcome, Father. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, Father, you are in South Dakota, is that correct? That's correct, yes. Okay. And Dice is Rapid City. Dice right. Rapid City. And you're a priest in Sturgis, South Dakota, did I hear? Yes. I'm the, the pastor of St. Francis of Assisi in Sturgis and uh, St. Mary Star of the Sea in Moodle. Oh, excellent. Good. And I I just went through that area. I was down uh, on a ski trip down to, um, um, what's the place now I'm thinking of in the Black Hills? Uh, Terry Peak. Terry Peak. Peak. Yep. Yep. So I went down to Terry Peak, so we went through that area. It's a very beautiful area. I always love going to the Black Hills. Before the cold snap? Yep. No, it was was, was probably right Right before the the cold snap. (laughs) So, Father, how cold is it? We We have to get this out of the way. How cold is it there? today uh well right now it's uh minus six degrees oh my goodness uh, he's, he's in the banana belt yes you we, are <laughs> it's negative 24 up here so. <laughs> we're, we're in canada <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so so father you have a vocation story for us um where where did you grow up where can you start us out where you grew up and um just give us a real brief synopsis of to the point where you realized that your vocation was being called to a priesthood. Okay, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, <laughs> we, we have lots of questions for you, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I grew up uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, outside of uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and uh, my family was a, a very staunch uh, fundamentalist Baptist family, um, uh, not just my immediate family, but my extended family, all my aunts and uncles, uh, some of whom were, were ministers and missionaries, and, uh, you know, uh, so I was in a very strongly um, Protestant uh, 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 atmosphere, and one that really had a strong antipathy, uh, to put it mildly, toward the Catholic Church and uh, Catholics uh, in general. Mm-hmm. And um, this was something that was really deep-seated in, in uh, you know, prejudice that, that was um, common in, in Philadelphia at that time, and, and I think in, you know, many places in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so my, my uh, parents used to say that uh, they, they went to um, Bethany Baptist Church, and that was on one side of the street, and on the other side of the street was St. Cecilia's Catholic Church, 
and the, the Protestants would walk on the uh, Baptist side, and the Catholics would walk on the Catholic, Catholic side. side. <laughs> <laughs> Never the twin would meet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Did did you ever get scolded for walking across the street and walking on the other sidewalk? <laughs> well, that was when my my parents were young. I didn't actually grow up <laughs> okay. in, that, in that area. Yeah. But uh, I, I never set foot in a Catholic church. I'll tell you that much. That, that yeah. was that was mm-hmm. well, no well, I, I um, if my dad is listening, I don't know if he remembers this or not. But um, I got scolded for going to uh, the Lutheran church on a Sunday when I didn't realize, um, I grew up Catholic, I didn't realize it was a sin for me to go to their church, <laughs> which is not really, well, it's, it's not, not really, really a sin. <laughs> it just, yeah. at the time, you know, I was younger yeah. and, and um, I didn't mm-hmm. know, but um I, you know, they. I think they didn't talk to me for a whole week. Wow. I, I think I was like, "What did wow. I do that was so bad?" <laughs> and, and it's not like I'm like I'm not leaving my Catholic faith. I mm. just wanted to see where they went to church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Father, did you have an? You know, what was that like? You must have had um, the Catholicism was all around you. It sounds mm-hmm. like. Um, so you must have had some kind of, um, I wonder what they're doing, thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, and, you know, there, there was a, a real kind of fascination there that, um, uh, that I had even as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, just uh, practically down the street from where I grew up um, was this huge uh, shrine to Our Lady of Chancellor Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's known as the American Chancellor. It's it's, uh, it's quite enormous, and people from all over the country and from all over the world come to to visit the shrine. And um, that is, you know, just we grew up practically next door to that mm-hmm. place. But uh, again, never never set foot there um, mm-hmm. except to to uh, see the fireworks that they would have at, on the Fourth of July. Then we would go up and. You know, sitting the, on the grounds at that time—that was that was very daring. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> those and, kids. Uh, oh, and also, if they, if during the Polish festival every year, um, we would uh, pretty frequently go up there to get some kibasa. Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> it was good. It's good, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh huh. Yep. But, yeah, um, you can't beat that Polish kibasa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess one of my very earliest experiences with the Catholic Church was, um, I, I think I, I was uh, either in high school or just out of high school at the time, mm-hmm. and um, I saw in a newspaper an ad for a Catholic revival service, mm-hmm. and I thought, what the heck is this, you know? Um, I didn't think Catholics had revival services, you know, knew that <laughs> Baptists did, and, and uh, those groups, but... So I said, I, this I've got to see. I, you know, I, just, I can't believe it. So, so I went to this church, and uh, I, this might have actually been the first time I actually entered a Catholic church. I'm not sure, but it was one of the first times anyway. And turns out it was a redemptorist mission. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, and the, the evening that I went, I actually went a couple of evenings, but the, the one that I remember most is um, they had a, 
they, they would do a different kind of devotion each night, you know, the stages of the cross or uh, the rosary, you know, the Divine Mercy Chapel, whatever it was. But that, that night they were doing uh, the veneration of the cross, you know, like, like you would do on Good Friday. Uh, yeah. And, um, and so the, the, the preacher, you know, typical fiery redemptorist from that in those days, uh, he spoke about the cross and, and the, you know, the sacrifice of Christ and all those things. And it just, it was very, the whole thing was very moving to me and, and profound. Huh. And, uh, I, I went forward and I venerated the cross with everybody else. And I really came away kind of, you know, scratching my head and thinking, wow, that's, that's really something. Um, so you didn't, find, gone, you, you didn't you didn't find it out of place, or did you feel feel like oh, if I don't venerate this cross, they're going to look at me weird, strange? No, I I really wanted to. I wanted to venerate. The cross so you had a pull. It, it was like a pull. Yeah, like, come to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And um, uh, another experience. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um, I had never really. I didn't know what went on in the Mass. You know, I knew that they had this mysterious ritual and called the Mass, and, you know, and they, they somehow believe that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ, and that's just crazy talk, you know. But, um, so what actually goes on there? What are, they, what are the words that they actually say? And um, I, I was worried, and still I'm very much into classical music, and, and one of my favorite composers is, is uh, Bach. And um, so I saw he had written this piece called the Mass in D minor, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought, wow, he wrote a Mass, and it was. And I kind of looked up this thing. And I said, okay, this is a setting, musical setting of the words that are used in the Catholic Mass. Hmm. <laughs> so I ordered this record, and and I uh, and I put this. Uh, I ordered the record, but I had it sent to the place where I was. Uh, working part-time as a high school student, and so it wouldn't come home, so nobody would see that I, that I bought this thing. And I, I, nothing, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it had the word mass on it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I snuck it home, and um, and I opened it up, and it, of course it's, it's one of the greatest compositions ever written, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, uh, the B minor mass, and, um, and I uh, read the translation of the words. Well, it was the ordinary of the mass. You know, the Kyrie, Gloria, Sanctus, Sanuste, you know, all those just those typical prayers that are, that are always part of the Mass. And I thought, well, this isn't so bad. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe this, this, I mean, this, this is okay. What, what's the big deal? If, yeah. if this is what they do in the Catholic Church, I, you know, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> it is catchy, though. The, oh yeah, the, it, it, they are very catchy. Bach yeah. did a good job. <laughs> so, what were your misconceptions, Father, about the Catholic Church at that time that really surprised you when you were reading all this? And were you excited to like yeah. want like your siblings? I don't know how many siblings you had, but did you want to like share it with them and say, "Hey, come listen to this with me. This is kind of <laughs> you know." No, I was still pretty secretive about it then. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't want to let on. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember actually sharing that with anybody at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my misconceptions were that, you know, this, this was some kind of pagan ritual that they engaged in, you know, that they, re- they weren't real Christians. Yeah. They were sort of fake Christians, you know, had this sort of Christian veneer over these pagan practices. And, mm-hmm. 
there, there was a lot of um, uh, propaganda that, that were anti-Catholic propaganda that, that was circulating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was very easy to get caught up in that and actually believe it. You know, it was full of half-truths, these uh, uh, leaflets and books and stuff that, that I would read. Um, but, yeah, that was that was the impression I had, that, that must be what, what goes on there. Wow. So were, were these um, leaflets and pamphlets, um, we have about um, 30 seconds here until we take a break, and then we'll come back with you. But these leaflets and pamphlets and brochures, were they always handed out at um, your Baptist area um, things, uh, functions oh yeah, that you very, went to? Oh, yeah, very frequently. Yeah, yeah. They, they would, that's where you would see them. Yeah. yeah. So did it ever occur to you, I mean, as a teenager, you know, like, oh, somebody's handing me something else again. Yeah, I'll just set it aside. Or did you, did were you one of those that you kind of paged through it and, huh, I wonder what, what the other comment is on the other side? Well, okay, these these were pamphlets that were anti-Catholic. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So so they they would feed into the prejudices that I already had. Okay. And, and and make me think that I was learning about what the Catholic Church taught and practiced, but I was really learning about a distortion of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you didn't uh, have a computer to just go and pick up, right. look up things. Well, Father, we are going to come back. Um, okay. We are going to talk some more on this vocation of yours that is very intriguing. Uh, everybody out there in Real Presence Radio Land, Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, contact lenses, glasses, and vision therapy services. Our specialized vision therapy program works to improve how the eyes work together as a team. We work with our patients to improve reading difficulties, lazy eyes, eye turns, and focusing problems, which can be detrimental to performance in the classroom and on the job. You can learn more about our mission at Lumen.Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know that your prayers today can still aid in the salvation of someone who died years ago? I'm Father Chris Alar. God is outside of time, and since he is all-knowing and all-powerful, he knows every prayer you will ever make and has the power to apply those graces to any point in time, past, present, or future. So if you have lost anyone, especially to suicide, and think that they are eternally lost, you can still help them. God can take your prayers from today and give someone grace at the time of their judgment because he forever knew that you would make that prayer and he wants you to help them accept his offer of salvation. So there is still hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss 
not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. Uh, Father Corey Nelson with... Lori Leffer. And we have Father Timothy Castor on the line. And he's telling us a very uh, intriguing story about his conversion to the Catholic faith and becoming a Catholic priest. And so, thank you and welcome back, Father Timothy. Thank you. Good to be here. Okay. So... So we were mentioning a little bit about your misconceptions of the Catholic faith and uh, these pamphlets that were being passed out at your local services and things like that. And, um, and then you come to go to this Catholic revival, <laughs> and this Catholic yeah. revival sparks your interest in, uh, in veneration of the cross and all these things. And then uh, you find a mass uh, written by Bach, and, and then that intrigued you anymore, even more. And so... From that point on, what, what, where did your vocation stem from here? Well, um, I, I had always felt, you know, as a child that uh, it, that it was being called to some kind of ministry, mm-hmm. either as a missionary or as a pastor or something like that. But I, I, it was all around me in my family, and it just was always very attractive to me, and it, you know, People just assumed that that's uh, someday I was going to be a pastor, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so to, to jump forward when I became a Catholic, it just uh, kind of transmuted into uh, uh, a Catholic vocation, of course. <laughs> but before we get to there, I, I went to a, a Baptist, well, it wasn't Baptist; it was a fundamentalist Bible college, Philadelphia College of Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I got my undergraduate degree, a Bachelor of Science in Bible, and um, got a very thorough <laughs> education in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and But uh, my junior year, I, I spent in the Holy Land uh, in Jerusalem at a, a Protestant college, sort of extension college um, in Jerusalem, and uh, traveled all over the country and visited all the ancient sites and Oh, it's just, it was one of the most wonderful experiences. Very, very enriching over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's really where I became exposed to, um, not Catholicism particularly, but just the, the, the whole history of Christianity, mm-hmm. of the Church. And uh, visited a lot of Orthodox churches when I was there, even attended some services. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the only time I, I did go to Catholic churches, but only uh, to listen to organ music. They would have organ concerts. <laughs> <laughs> the good, good old organ music, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, none <yeah>. other. <laughs> well, they, there, there was a, a Catholic church in, in Jerusalem that had probably the best organ in the city, you know, pipe organ. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I always went to their concerts. But, um, but yeah, I, I went to the Orthodox church, and I, I started attending the Anglican church in Jerusalem as well. And um, that's where I, you know, sort of became exposed to liturgical worship and a a, a sacramental approach to worship. And what I considered was a a kind of historical uh, link to the historical church, you know, the church, the earlier church, the church Mm -hmm. of the the fathers, you know. The um, church fathers, yep. 
Yeah. So I, then I, uh, when I got back from uh, Israel uh, and returned in my senior year in, in college, I joined the Episcopal Church hmm. and uh, was confirmed in the Episcopal Church and uh, was very seriously thinking about um, pursuing a vocation there, mm-hmm. Episcopal Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that lasted about three years, my experience with them, with the, the Episcopalians, and I, I became increasingly uh, discouraged and disappointed in, in, uh, in that denomination because of the directions they were going mm-hmm. with regard to moral teachings and um, those kinds of things uh, that I just couldn't agree with. And um, more and more, I was being drawn to the, the Catholic Church. So and, w- was uh, it those a- moral teachings, Father Timothy, that that um, that was your um, uh, nail or your turning? Yeah, your turning point of wanting to know more of like, there's got to be an answer here. Yeah, I would. Yes. Um, well, I, I, you know, I had a, a, a close friend in the parish that I was going to, and he and I were both um, looking into Catholicism at the same time, reading books, and and that's when we, that's the first time I actually attended a Mass at a, at a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a funny little story behind that, too, uh, that I had bought an old uh, St. Joseph Daily Missal that I found in, a, in an antique store. Yep. Oh, um, wow. It was, you know, uh, a uh, pre-Vatican II missal, mm-hmm. hand missal with the English translation. And um, you know, that's when I really got a very close exposure to what the Catholic Mass really was. And, mm-hmm. You know, it had little pictures in it, and it, it had all the words and all the rubrics and everything, and I kind of pictured in my mind what it would look like, and I you know, I, I would think, well, again, the same kind of reaction I had listening to the box B minor mass was, uh, well, this isn't so bad. This is, this is actually pretty good. This is yeah. things I, I, I believe in, you know? And it has and, a uh, second okay. language in it, in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, they read a lot of the Bible. There's a lot of scripture in this religion. It's amazing. And um, so when I actually went to a mass uh, in the, uh, the modern form, in Nova Sordo, I was really shocked, <laughs> I have to admit, because it wasn't what I had read in this little hand that I had. But, you know, the thing that, that really impressed me about that, uh, attending that Mass was how, how natural and normal everybody was that, you know, in, in Episcopalian Church and Anglicanism, they, they tend to be very... Um, and this is this is a generalization, so it's not mm-hmm. true of everybody, obviously. Mm-hmm. But but there's a tendency to be very uh, proper and formal and um, a little bit pretentious, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and I kind of uh, like that, I guess, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, got, I, I sort of enjoyed that that sort of uh, approach. But what I found among the Catholics is that, that there was no pretension. There was, there was no um, attitude of being, you know, we're better than the rest of them. And um, it was just, you know, this is what we do. We come together and we pray this way and, you know, this is, this is our, our faith. And yeah. it, I was, that really struck me 
that that it seemed so real. You know, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't just putting on a show. Mm-hmm. It was it was real uh, prayer, and, uh, and so even though it wasn't what I had read in the little Saint Joseph Daily Missal, it was. It was close enough. I mean, it was not the same words, and mm-hmm. and I had to admit that um, you know I kind of like the fact that it's in English and you know not in Latin. Although mm-hmm. Latin has always been very beautiful, and I, I've always loved the, the Latin Mass mm-hmm. as well. But but I, I did uh, you know I did appreciate the fact that they that they did uh, do the uh, liturgy in English. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, back to the story. Yeah, um, the, yeah Father, we yeah. have about three minutes here. for. Um, okay. So um, where do you want to take us from here? Do you want to take us directly to the point where you said you decided that, hey, I have to become Catholic? Well, that happened very gradually. Um, I, I, as I studied the, the teachings of the Catholic Church more and more, it convinced me that this was really, you know, what... Uh, the Church of Christ founded, and, um, you know, kind of whittled away at each of the different doctrines. The, the one that really was the driving force was the Eucharist, um, uh-huh. that, you know, and a desire to to participate in that, be part of that. Um, and there are some stumbling blocks, you know, the teachings on Mary, for example, and veneration of the saints and those things. But, uh, you know, I worked all those things out in my head, and, and finally uh, I, I came to think, you know, um, the Catholic Church makes this incredible claim of being the Church founded by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's the, it's the only Church that has the claims to have the successor of St. Peter himself at the head. Mm-hmm. Nobody else claims to have that. They, they claim to have descended in some, uh, you know, uh, spiritual fashion from the early Church, but nobody claims to have actually the actual successor of St. Peter. I said, either that claim is true, and if it is, then I have to join the Catholic Church, (laughs) or it's false, and I better completely stay away from the Catholic (laughs) Church, and in fact, I don't know what church is real. Right, right. So it was kind of an all-or-nothing thing at that point. And And you uh, you ended up studying the Church Fathers, did you? Yes, I read the Church Fathers. And and, And then uh, after that, it's all hook, line, and sinker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, yeah. The, the final, the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, was uh, I, I did a, a retreat at a, an Episcopal Benedictine monastery. I thought if anybody can convince me to, to stay at this, at least these guys will. Hmm. And I found in their library a book called The Church of God hmm. by Louis Boyer. Uh, oh. Louis Boyer was uh, a prominent theologian. A French, um, possibly Belgian, I'm not sure, but uh, who had been a Lutheran pastor and had converted to Catholicism and became a Dominican priest. And this book was a commentary on uh, Lumen Gentium, the, the document on the, the Church mm-hmm. um, the, uh, from the Second Vatican Council. Yep. And uh, and I read through it. It's like a 600-page book, and I, I just devoured this book. And uh, at each page I turned, I said, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I, that's what I believe. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And by the end of that book, I, uh, at this Episcopal monastery, I decided I had to become Catholic. There's just, I have no choice. Well, Father, we have come to the end of our time with you, and I wish we had another hour. 
because <laughs> yeah. we could talk about so much more. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on air with us today again and joining us. And uh, I hope you enjoy your South Dakota warm weather down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Okay. That's beach. Well, thank you, everybody out there in Real Presence Radio listening land. We will be right back. <clears throat> This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 